0: Back then, we were racing shit Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, all through the summer. So you, you you miss a couple weeks, and then hard to to chase down those points again if you're running for back in the day the novice, the number one novice in the nation. So.
1: episode 128 tank slapping podcast got a really good pod on tap for you guys today it's tommy duma uh most people now know him as the jeweler jeweler man that's a tough one jeweler of the american <laughs> flat track series but we know him as uh people that have been around the sport world for a while know him as tommy the racer and man he was a really good racer too like through his amateur ranks and up through his early pro stuff and he had some stuff he had to deal with as he as he moved on in his career, but man, he's a, quite the racer. I'm excited to chat with him. Before uh, we get started in the interview, I want to make sure we shout out a few of the sponsors that make the pod happen week in and week out. Uh, make sure you guys follow these companies on social media. Send them a thank you for for supporting the podcast. It definitely goes a long way, and and you know they're continuing of our podcast support, whatever however you want to word it. I- fuck that all up but uh mission foods definitely our our title sponsor they they keep us going week in and week out if you can support them support the products phenomenal products man just who doesn't love missions mission foods uh if you can't get them at your local store find them online do what you can to support those who support flat track man and, and road racing and moto america and everything they're doing with drag racing and they uh Juan and you know satish everybody at mission foods they're huge fans of uh of motorcycle racing and car racing all kinds of racing so support them i uh, want to give a shout out to yamaha motorsports and yamaha racing check out their website at yamahamotorsports.com motorcycle atv side-by-side snowmobile and power products yamaha revs your heart my 23 450 that we've been riding moto with is is so good and James Raspoli just hopped on the bike. I let him ride it last week. And the next day he's he's hitting me up about pricing and he, he wants to trade in his other brand for a Yamaha. So yeah, check out those new bikes. And then I want to give a shout out to Moto America, Road Atlanta, April 21st to the 23rd. If you can't be there, get your tickets. But if not, Moto America Live Plus has you covered. They're going to have the Superbike Kickoff at Road Atlanta, SuperSport, Stock 1000, Junior Cup, Twins Cup, King of Baggers great lineup of classes and racing it's going to be really really cool i'm hoping to make it down there uh, i don't start work until carolina motorsports park is the mini the mini uh mini cup uh kickoff that's may may 6th weekend but um rote is it's coming up soon uh no further ado he's on the line mr duma what's good man
0: what's up cory how are you man i
1: uh i'm doing all right got through got through daytona buddy is my first weekend as a retired racer it was pretty weird but uh i can't complain i you know i i got to it was fun like it was different but i it was good like i had fun
0: (laughs) so did you uh have the desire to get back out there once you uh, were back in it
1: yeah there were spurts for sure where you know i was uh i was you know feeling a little sporty where i wanted to get out there but uh yeah I, i think like Daytona too. Like the last time we were there, I won. Like I won the last right. race. And then um, you know, I won Daytona or sorry, not Daytona. Volusia last year, like my last race. And it's cool to win your last race, but then it's like you also have these thoughts, like, man, you know, I just won my last race. Like I wonder what you know, it's like but, another uh,
0: championship. Another yeah, race well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I don't you never know. I mean, it's it'd just be cool to just get out there and just dice it up with the boys. You know, I was born a racer like you, like you, and it's like I'm sure you still get the same the same kind of, you know, oh, man, it, this would be a cool track. I mean, th- don't get me wrong. There's Mark. some tracks where I'm perfectly fine being a spectator, but, <laughs> but I like you. I'm sure there's some where uh, you'd like to get back out there. So, um, yeah, so a lot to get into. Uh, I, I honestly wanted to chat with you first and foremost about kind of racing in the 70s and the 80s, man. I'm, I'm jealous of that era. The more I dip into it, like I'm a 90s kid and. I guess I didn't appreciate that era as much. I was always like Camel Pro 90s, you know, that was the era. Right. But now I'm looking back and, you know, I've had Randy Goss on the show. We've had Wayne Rainey. We've had, uh, shit, We've I'm doing a disservice Kenny. to all of yeah. yeah, yeah, Kenny Roberts. Yeah, I've had, we've had some really good guests and I'm doing a disservice to, to them. Ronnie, Steve Moorhead. Um, but anyway, the, that era was sick. I mean, it was a really cool era there's a couple of things i want to talk to you about but um let's get Steve. into it obviously it was like novice junior expert we all know that um the fans still talk about how how much better that that program was to them so um novice dude so going from amateur to novice um this is a dumb question did you have to wait till you were 16 to turn novice or could you kind of like how did that work exactly and how did it work for you
0: yeah so for me my birth <coughs> excuse me my birthday is- early February, so I was 16 before Daytona and uh, had a great amateur career. I was uh, got hooked up with Woody Kyle uh, when I was 14, 15, um, 125 Noguchi's, and um, so we went from the 125s at that particular point was 360 in 1976, so I went down to Daytona, and they came out of Daytona with 39 points, you needed 40 in order to transfer to a junior, couldn't do it in the middle of the year, but nevertheless, at that point, you try to get number one nation, uh, novice in the nation or Ohio, or your region, things like that. And at that particular point, in 1976, my mother was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. It's so a blood disease, kind of like leukemia, Just uh, and my blood type and her blood type were the same. So I was uh, decided at that particular point, we're, we're going to just ride local, uh, no more professional. Until, uh, you know, I deal with my mom Um, back in those days, you know, uh, old antiquated machines. But they would take blood out of one arm, take it all the way through the other side and take it out and circle it through to my mom. So we was on these machines for for weeks on end and um, trying to do blood transfusions and things like that. So then in 1977 was actually my second year as a novice they went from 360s to 250s and my dad had the jewelry store uh it started the jewelry store in 1957 i was came along in 1960 he was in his 40s so was my mother so i was kind of like an oops but he was starting the jewelry business when i was starting my mini bike career with my mom she was the one that kind of was you know the the main force in my racing career so i kind of you know everything was with mom and when mom went down, you know, I was going to be there for her as she was been, has been there for me in the past. So um, that's where we went. And then uh, my dad, being the entrepreneur, there was not a Yamaha shop uh, in our town. So he petitioned Yamaha to get the franchise. And lo and behold, uh, he ended up uh, getting Yamaha worn with uh, Jimmy Acazelli's father. So they went partners. We both raced and uh, now we're both on Yamahas and we've got a, a, our shop behind us and mechanics and all those good things. So off again, we went in 1977 and just had a, a, a great novice year in the sense coming out of Daytona. Uh, um, ended up being the number one novice in Ohio. I think I was second in the region, uh, like fourth in the nation in point total. Again, my mom passed away in July of 77. So I took about three weeks off uh, at that particular point. So back then we were racing shit Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday uh all through the summer. So you, you you miss a couple weeks and then hard to to chase down those points again if you're running for back in the day the novice the number one novice in the nation. So that was my my first two years but had a great year uh in the novice and end up uh getting a ride for Warren Harley Davidson. So we had a couple of XRs. And man, once I got on that XR, I never wanted to get back on a two stroke single ever again.
1: <laughs> it's actually uh, you know, you hear the stories of how guys back then you guys raced, you know, I think it was man, fuck me. I I think Wednesday was Santa Fe, I've heard. Friday right. was Granite uh, City. Yeah, what you know, um, it's funny I know the schedule from 40 years ago because I've just heard it mm. so much, but um so, obviously, that was really cool, that dynamic where you could just race, race, and race. But it, it actually got me thinking, like, I guess the expenses were, like, if you're racing that much, I mean, you're not going to run. You're not going to run. Did you run a Harley every race? Like, the tire bill? Um, I'm just thinking of, like, expenses with that many races. That- consistently. Like That's something, like, because now guys don't even, you know, it's gotten to the point where. Obviously, we don't have very too many Wednesday night races. We have some Fridays, which are cool, but guys aren't even racing any local races, like the top guys. I mean, it's very rare you'll see, um, Jared Meese or these guys at you know Brier or any of them at a local race.
0: And that, there's right. a few
1: reasons for that, but um, but yeah, I mean, what was that like? <clears throat> what was that like with the expenses? That, and-
0: that Midwest series was a short track series, so you're riding even if you're a junior, you're still you're back on. Um, your your two stroke single um, and again obviously less maintenance than an XR750 um, but when we got to be juniors that was the year that they did ju- junior invitationals and so there was probably six or seven rounds of the 18-20 rounds that they had back in the day that we were chasing uh, the Grand National racetracks as a junior so even though we were still probably racing friday saturday sunday in ohio or somewhere um they just definitely had a lot of races they kept my mechanic busy and yeah we just that's how we honed our racecraft back in the days is, just is by riding
1: yeah and you don't hear like obviously the guys now um uh, the top riders like we're training it's it's crazy how how much uh in depth the training has gotten i mean you look yeah. at some of these top riders and and I train with them. And, and, man, it's the level of fitness that these guys are at. It's absolutely crazy. But but with that being said, back then, you, I mean, if I was racing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, you know, obviously I, I would take Monday off. So, the the way it kind of goes now, if you're racing Saturday, you, uh, you try to ride two days leading up. So, you'll ride a Tuesday and a Thursday. Um, but it's actually, like, I think it's bad for guys to, like, train on the bike too much um i think it kind of burns them out but um back then man the training obviously it was it was hard because you're racing and traveling every you know that's a lot that's a lot of racing um
0: the science is is definitely more advanced and progressed than when it was in the 70s and 80s when we're talking you know being physical and, and whatnot my goodness have to half the people were smoking cigarettes before oh, like, was waiting in line
1: to... <laughs> you could smoke in hospitals back then smoke on airplanes. <laughs> yeah. So it was just way right. different. Yeah. No, that's such a cool era. I mean, I got so many questions just like how, um, like back then too, you guys had so many riders. Do you remember the, oh. what it was like? Um, I'm just wondering as a pr- promoter trying to fit that many riders into a day. Um, yeah, they had to Crazy. be some long days at the track with no doubt. With so many, I remember riders. one
0: time, I think it was Reading, PA. They was having a regional. I was a novice, and I read my heat sheet wrong. I thought I was in the twelfth heat, first position. Here I was in the first heat race, twelfth position, <laughs> and I had to go home and tell my dad that I
1: missed didn't the qualify because I missed <laughs> the heat
0: race because I read it long. I mean, that's I, what I think Paul we've eats. all done that. It yeah. happens to the best of us. I, I'm just <laughs> thankful
1: you got out of Reading, Pennsylvania without getting shot, dude. That's a that's a gnarly gnarly neighborhood. But, um, so did you? How many years on the on the expert class did you do? Um, you talked about how much you love the XR, and you know, I'm the same way. I've always been a twin guy. I mean, I I like the single, and I've I've had some you know good years, good results on a 450, mm-hmm. but. I, I like the twin. Like it just, that's flat track right there. I mean um, you know, it's, there's nothing like a twin on a cushion half mile. I mean, that's, that's what the fans want to see. How long did you, Uh, how long did you chase that dream before you kind of went into the family business?
0: So it was in uh, 79, uh, 1979. I was my rookie expert here. And then in 1981, I hung up my steel shoe and got married in 82 and went into the jewelry business at that particular point. But, you know, to your, to your reference in the singles in, I think it was in 1980, AMA allowed singles now at, on uh, TTs. And so everybody was jumping on Yamaha TT 500s. And that was really the first time I rode a single four stroke. Um, there was no road tax back in the day. I've never rode one. And, um, so, never really had any other option than the twin in front of me until later there. And uh, obviously, now I, I've got a nice DTX 450 that I like to bang some lefts on. But yeah, it was pretty much a twin trying to jump a, a, that pig at, at Peoria back in the day for me was, I don't, you guys have hands off to you guys for uh, doing the twins at Peoria. I and mean, you guys do them fast too. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, Yeah, like that that era of jumping the bikes and everything, that was something like when I turned pro, I never thought we'd see again. Like I was like, Oh, there's no way we'll ever run twins at Peoria or whatever. And and when they decided to kind of make that decision to run twins everywhere, I was really skeptical. I'm like, man, this is gonna suck. And now I think it's like it's been a really good decision. Like I I think so too. I still get people of fans are like, Yeah, they need to run singles. It's like, dude, no, like this is the twins on every racetrack is is awesome um and can you imagine and suspension
0: It's like, come well, a long way it's come, yeah, <laughs> for sure. yeah,
1: tech, and the tires and everything so <laughs> right um but yeah just like when i turned pro i mean you had to have oh, shit man to, to be competitive you had to have two half mile bikes you had to have two mile bikes you had to have two dtx bikes you had to have two framer 450s like uh the amount of motorcycles you needed to have was insane and now you can get around i mean you should have three or four different setups but you can get get by with two i mean um right so it's actually it's been a really good decision um what is your so the two years you got the race expert did you have any memorable races Did you three years did you have any like um like what was your best finish like favorite racetrack like what what was that like probably
0: the coin um we had great qualifying, um, ended up leading my heat uh, race for nine and three quarter laps, and Randy Goss drafted me at the end. Uh, it was just a start-finish line, so we had fast heat, and I ended up getting a front row. Uh, I was on the bottom of the pole for the main event. And that was the uh, race in 79 that Parker won, so he won the his first GNC race at DeCoin, and I think logged the youngest racer to to do so, win a national. And we ended up getting ninth that day. But Pulled the whole shot and uh, led him going down the back straightaway, which was a great feeling. And then uh, found myself in in different packs, the lead pack for the first half of the race, and then a different pack with uh, Hank Scott and uh, Steve Eklund. And we were racing for seventh, eighth, and ninth. I ended up getting ninth nice that day, but uh, so that was that was my first national, and obviously at that particular point we you get uh, your national number. Um, we made a couple other nationals and uh, never put it on the box, so that's a regret. And then just had a lot of uh, a lot of mechanicals. Uh, was leading Louisville, uh, the clutch is fried. Uh, just a lot of uh, growing pains, so to speak, and then uh, mixed with that, it was. Uh, just bad luck when it comes to, well, I guess I was going to say come to crashing, but maybe bad luck is not all that have to play. It might've been <laughs> me that had a little something to do. with. Well, the you crashing. had a, I was going to say, you had a,
1: and I don't know how much you want to talk about or bring it up, but I, cause I don't, I don't even know where or when or what, but I know you had a bad, you had a bad crash somewhere that kind of made you want to step aside or you had to step aside. But,
0: um, yeah, yeah was, I mean, it's, it was the last race really It was, um, actually Hagerstown. um i got into going into three got in the back of ricky campbell and uh, kind of high-sided and tore my acl and so um uh, that was in june fought to come back because i think that uh, the fall race in Dequoin was going to be covered by wide world of sports so i wanted to get back for to, to have that opportunity and then I think a little bit later, a couple weekends later, was Indy, and the dates are a little foggy, um, but it was Indy Mile, and it was uh, Chucky Springsteen, Ronnie Jones, and myself. We were coming off of four, and Chucky was in front of Ronnie, and then I was right on Ronnie's back tire, and Chucky drifted up too high, hit, clipped uh, his handlebar on the outside coming out of four, went into a little tank slapper. And as soon as he started wobbling, Ronnie was able to break the draft to the left. And as soon as Ronnie broke Chucky's draft, I'm looking straight at Chucky and bam, just ran right into him. Uh, He was already on the ground at this particular point. I hit him and then I just go tumbling down the, uh, the start, the front straightaway ended up breaking my, Pelvis, my hip socket, and retor my ACL again, all on the right side. Yeah, and uh, so Chucky and I both went to the hospital that night, and uh, he had internal injuries, and uh, I had all the other things there that I just mentioned, and so that was kind of the last race that uh, I just felt like, man, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I mean, it's, in it's, hindsight, it's... I probably should have gave it some time. but
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was solid. just gonna say, like, aside from the, um, the physical like part of it where you're you're obviously hurting you're in pain you're you know you that's a bad yeah. injury anything pelvis or hip is that i cringed when you were talking about it because man i just that's that's not i mean nowhere is ideal in the body but that's ah that's a tough one but um i think it's underrated how how much it takes a toll on a racer mentally like when you're you know yeah. you, if you have bad luck after bad luck or injury after injury like mike Hacker's is a good example he's a good friend of mine and he just had so, so many in a row. It's like you heal up. Like Colby's another example. Like he's, he's been, you know, he's, you know, or Mikey rush just now, like Mikey rush. Yeah. Like you heal up and you, it takes so long to get back to a hundred percent. It's pretty, let's say it's easy, but it's not bad getting back to 80%, 70, 80%, but getting back to a hundred, it's almost non-existent. So you, you pull yourself out of the trenches and then you get hurt again. So, mentally that takes a toll and it's just kind of like fuck it like i you know i'm done right. i gotta step aside and uh and back then
0: it was so hard to make a national you set out six weeks uh, you know that's and then let's just compound that maybe another six weeks before you get when you get back on the motorcycle that you're ready to go again so you're looking like at a 12-week deficit from the guys that are lining up already every weekend uh, it, yeah, yeah every every starts,
1: every day back then yeah, you know so
0: it's tough it was tough to, um
1: Well, in a way, we're thankful that you, uh, you got into the, you, you stepped into the family business. Um, obviously Tommy Duma, fine jewelers. It's, uh, it's been talked about in, uh, flat track for the current fans. Uh, you've been helping out, man. It's probably been maybe at least a decade, right? I mean, how, how many years have you been at it now with the sponsorship of the series?
0: Yeah. So that was in 2009 cycle news ran another article, where yeah. are the rookies of 79 um, and did that follow-up story. And it happened to be the Indy
1: uh, mile
0: weekend with yeah. the GP going on. So we, Wayne and, and the whole gang was there yeah. once again. And so it was at that particular point, that was the first time that I really went back. I think I did Lima one time in the nineties. I took my twins there. Uh, but, but when I quit in, in 82, it was like it, my spirit was broken. It's all I wanted to be was a grand national champion. Um, and in riding with, with Scotty Parker my junior year, uh, I mean, we raced each other every weekend. And if I felt like as I seen him succeed, I felt like, man, at least I should be able to be within close to that because, we, we you know, we were one, two, one, two, one, two all the time. Um, and then just that shit happened, bad luck. And my dad, when we quit racing, he says, what do you want to do? You want to go into the Yamaha shop or? You want to come into jewelry, and it was like, man, I'm done with motorcycles. And so he sold his his half of the Yamaha shop to uh, Jimmy Acazelli's dad. And uh, I said, hell, I'm going to be a gemologist. Went to gemology school and went into jewelry. So then, fast forward, I had got married, wife, kids, three kids later, and and starting to follow motorcycles again, followed dirt track again. And then when we went to Indy in 2009, it was like. God, I can't believe it. I walked away from this thing for like 15 years. You know, I should have never. But um, and at that point, I think in 2012, when the rookies of 79 charity and officially started is when uh, I think Dan Johnson back in he was what, like 2010. Uh, I don't remember the years. Yeah, somewhere in there. So he's the one that kind of got me involved and we got hooked up and said hey you know let's do some uh some awards and that's how it all started so it was been 2010 2011 so yeah definitely a decade
1: yeah i mean that's we're going on 13 years then so yeah um yeah and i I had a couple like questions on that kind of just some fun ones um that i wanted to ask you um sure so you, the first awards or the ones that I remember were the, it was the Rolex, right? So yeah. Um, Rolex, gave a Rolex. Yeah. gave a Rolex to the, to the, to the winner of the uh, championship. And um, who, who's got them? I mean, does, how many Rolexes has Mies got? Jared Mies?
0: Mies. Was he at Jared like four? Mies has got three Rolexes? I think because we, we were given stainless steel Daytonas and they only come with the white dial and a black dial. So Jared had already won both of those. I said, "Hey, bro, you want to do a stealing Gold Daytona?" He said, "Sure." So it was. <laughs> so he's got three three Daytonas.
1: Yeah, that's so sad. And then I don't know and what Smith I believe has one Smith, and then uh, does Baker? Did you, did Baker get a Rolex when he won?
0: No, the Baker I think was what 2009 or 10. So that was right before, right before you started. Yeah, right before yeah. we started that. Oh, yeah
1: yeah well i mean the rolex thing was awesome um and then you switch to the rings and it's like i mean you would think like anything after rolex wouldn't be cooler but the rings are like um the rings are insane uh and then and then you went and now you can customize them so it's even the awards side of it it's come a long way and um for sure what do you i mean what do you prefer like do you I mean, I, I. This is probably a stupid question, but are, do you take more pride in giving the champion a Rolex, or do you take more pride in, in giving them a ring?
0: I, I like the ring um, because it's it's unique to the racer, unique to the champion. Uh, they get to have their input, like we talked with with you and I when we were building yours. You know, uh, this or that, this picture, that picture, uh, white diamonds, black diamonds, and kind of do that whole creative, you know, building of the ring together um the Rolex you know the Daytona 200 gives a Rolex every year um and so I felt like this was the only discipline Supercross does some rings I think our rings are blows the Supercross rings out of the water yeah uh, not to be biased or anything but uh I mean you know yeah it, it was so it was at that transition that I thought man I you know Super Bowl, uh Highest football game in the land, you know everybody gets a ring. That's what they look for. So I thought, well, let, let's let's do rings. AFT liked the idea, Um and then we started producing them ahead of time to give out at the year end banquet. Um When did you start said, the rings? Eighteen
1: or seventeen? Uh, had to 17. be seventeen or eighteen. Yeah. Okay, seventeen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry I cut you off, but yeah, I mean, it no, was, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah they, it was... it, they were just standard rings initially, and then you. Uh, right the design i think you started designing you could design them in 21 right 21 right okay yeah cuz i was yeah i got you were 20 was it 20 i know my first yeah. ring i got in 19 it was it was uh like a non custom i got at the banquet and um it's a big ring like i can't wear it cuz it's it's just big and i know i could resize it and wear it but i honestly i don't i don't wear either one of my rings too much i think i might have worn them once or twice and it's just like it's they're way too nice for me to wear them. I think I don't think the fans realize like these are these are like fifteen they're Super Bowl $15, size thousand know, dollar rings. We,
0: you know, we want we, we want we want something that ex- expresses the you know how hard it is to become a champion, right? You're, you're racing the dirt and the competitors <laughs> every weekend, uh, week in week out, and there's only one champion at the end of the season. So yeah. we feel like we need to make a ring that's worthy to be called a championship ring.
1: Well, I remember when they started, uh, when you started doing it or whatever, I, I used to always like s- screenshot the rings. Like I, I, the Rolexes were cool and and I've talked to you, I, I definitely want to get a Rolex down the road, but I, um, I've, uh, I've talked about the rings, like the rings, man, when it, the first one you ever did, I, I had that saved on my phone. And, and, uh, <laughs> honestly, throughout the, that first year, that was, that was my motivation. My motivation. I honestly is like, I, I would look at that every, you know, nonstop. And that was like. You know, the number of plates, the money, everything else. Obviously, that's it's kind of an afterthought. Um, you just like you race to win or whatever, but the ring was right. was just so so important to me. And and just getting that ring, like I had a lot of emotions. And then and then seeing Raspoli get a ring the next year and I got second, it's like like I felt like that was my ring. Like I I wanted that mm-hmm. ring. So then I worked like hell to to get get another one in, in 21. But that the whole process of kind of designing them, and yeah, you're like Hey, you can do whatever you want. Like the amount of freedom I had in designing that ring it blew me away. You're like, "You want to add more diamonds?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, I want to add more diamonds." <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really like my ring and obviously everyone's biased probably. Uh you've done probably 9 9 custom ones now where guys have designed them. Uh what? you know, what's what's your favorite one you've done? Cuz honestly, they're all really different. Um none are none are even close to being the same, I don't think.
0: No, the big some as far as maybe the shape uh, of it, but as far as each ring is completely unique in the sense that the, your picture is on the side of it, so that's you. Uh, and then as far as your names and things like that, so uh, they're all the, they're all unique. Um, I you know, I just enjoy doing the design and then having you participate. There, I, I like them all. It's hard to, you know, it's like your kid uh you got a bunch of kids you gonna say which one's your favorite
1: i only have Uh, one kid but i've heard that people say oh all my kids are my favorites you gotta have a favorite like i have two yeah every now
0: and then what depends on the day too what the (laughs) what the hell they're getting into right you might like one better than another but uh um they're all they're all great um jared jared's uh his last couple took on a, a different form um with the number one being this focus of the entire ring, I would have to say probably the most creative one is the one that Briar has, where it's two sets of pipes coming out. Do you remember that one? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I've seen Briar's. Yeah, yeah, so I, so it's like the big number, his. big yeah. number plate on top. It's almost like the side of uh, of the twin to where you could see the number plate, and we had number one on there, and then two rounded tubes coming through with half carat diamonds at the at the end of each pipe yeah um, and then a bunch of smaller diamonds and whatnot but creatively that was probably one of the uh most creative ones that we w- went to and um, difficult to try to take it from pencil sketch to cad cam to wax uh that's usually the most challenging is that what i think maybe in my mind is going to look good um and then when we start it to the cad uh, and you know is this thing going to be huge on your finger you could going to be able to wear it and things like that so but that that was one that stands out for me yeah
1: yeah that, that's and, you're, a, and, and
0: that's that one cool. that you got that you're saying about it was really huge that was the same year i think that Breyer got his and all of the rings were oh shit i think almost three ounces of gold there. they were oh really it's so huge. it's so yeah. big
1: and, and like you're like well you can resize it i'm like eh. I like it the way it is, man. <laughs> I'm going to let it ride, and maybe my fingers will get fat one day, and I can wear it, but it's – uh, it's yeah, it's it's definitely a – it's big. It's a big ring. Like, I'll have to put them – I'll have to take some pictures. It, it's been a while since I've I've pulled them out. I, I did wear my my custom one. I wore it uh quite a few times, but, man, I just, like – I don't go anywhere that – like, what am I going to wear it, the Five Guys to get a burger? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't wear – I don't <laughs> go yeah. anywhere. Yeah. I go to the track, and – um uh, it was cool i was seeing cody Cobb wearing his at the track the other day uh yeah, he said he wore flinching. it out and about I'm, I'm like dude you better you better like you know when you go out anywhere put that like don't be flashing it too much you'll get jumped and <laughs> have that thing taken but uh no it's been uh it's been really cool and you know i'm i'm really grateful for for my two rings and man i missed two more <laughs> by slim margins so um It's, but it is cool. Like, it's cool that, um, that James has one and Jesse, like, even though I, I didn't get more like seeing their excitement with, uh, with what they, and they're both my friends. So, I mean, it's cool that they're able to experience that as well. Um, aside from that you've done like, you've helped me with my wedding rings. Uh, you've helped me with, man, a lot of different stuff. You, you've sponsored some of my races with, um, necklace, like hot shoe necklaces for, the winners that, um, like Sathoff still wears his, like I see a lot. Right. And, um, so you've done a lot of like wedding rings for racers and for sure. Um, yeah.
0: Know, oh, right. I mean,
1: probably every racer that's gotten married in the past eight years, you've probably been the guy. So, uh, I don't know if you have a list of them, but it has to be a dozen racers probably.
0: So, uh, i I think it's, uh, we're, we're getting close to the almost two dozen, um, yeah, over crazy. the course of the years that, um, the thing is with jewelry is it's, it's relationship. Um, yeah. And again, you don't go out and buy, you know, carrot diamond as often as you're going to the grocery store, even buying an automobile, right. And experiential knowledge, you sit in your car, you know what you like, what you don't like. When it comes to jewelry for the, for the most part, most guys, uh, you know, especially racers aren't stepping in to a jewelry store that often. And so, uh, I make the process really easy, especially today with overnight shipping and, uh, photographs and whatnot. Uh, just talk to the, talk them through and, and uh, I'll send, uh, you know, three or four diamonds for them to look at different settings. And so make the process, even though somebody might be in California and I'm in Ohio, we can make that process really easy back and forth. And, uh, you know it, it's nice to have a friend in the business in the sense and i personally take care of all all the racers yeah. and no one pays retail uh you know we take care of a flat track family i know yeah, that um, you are uh, so every easy available to work dollar with. goes yeah, to tires and, and, and gas and everything right
1: yeah and yeah sorry to, i mean but you're so easy to yeah. work with like i mean i um <laughs> after last season um so anytime cody cop and max and trent like there are all these young kids that I train and hang with and they're always like flexing their shoes and their <laughs> chains and and I don't give a shit honestly but but just because they care so much it's like all right well you know I'm going to get I'm going to have a bigger chain than than they have right so they right. have these, they have these chains and I don't know they're kind of it's like <clears throat> it's like amateur level chains I'm like Tommy I need a thick I need a thick boy like no <laughs> uh, and I hit you up and you sent me like yeah. a I don't know what you sent me, like a ten mil and a twelve millimeter chain. Like, yeah, they were big. I mean, my chain's big. So, like, I right now I'm wearing. Uh, uh Shana got me a uh, a sixty five uh, uh necklace for when I got married. She got me a sixty five. Right. And on we the on that. the yep, and I wear that every day. And on the back, it's engraved that it says "Love you, Dad." It's my dad's handwriting, and it's like one of the custom features you guys do. But anyway, the chain thing. You sent me two chains, like two chains, but you sent me both of them, and then, uh, you know, yeah. you, you money sent me three, and then you know, I just pick the one you want, and you know, send the other ones back. And, um, the one was it. W- it would have been a flex to where I mean, it was thick. it's like two right? It was thick, and I'm like, uh <laughs> eh. I was like, I, that's like a little much. So, but it was cool to see it and have it in my hand. So I, I got the one, and it was supposed to be a a championship gift to myself. Like I was gonna. And all right. championship and i'll buy myself this chain and um but then i didn't win so it was it's like all right well i still want this chain so uh it's a it's my retirement gift to myself so there you go so yeah but i got the i got the chain and i just like to flex on cody and max and uh you know and i just i'll get like a new pair of jordans that are cooler cooler than their jordans and i really don't <laughs> even care i just like to i want to keep up with the kids you know so um Yeah. So that's, that's been a big part of the series and it's been really cool having you involved and anybody out there like, yeah, if you're, if you want anything jewelry related, just hit up Tommy and his team. Like they're so easy to work with. It's, uh, it's cool to work with somebody that that's no bullshit. Like they're not just trying to sell you jewelry. He genuinely wants to, exactly wants to help and, uh, and dial you in. But, um, aside from that, man, you're, uh, heavily involved in the, in the charity. Uh, and I don't know, like it's going through some changes right now. It was a class of 79 and, um, now it's, it's back on track and Ronnie Jones is, is pretty much the guy. Um, well, all you guys do it, but he's the new, new guy kind of spearheading it. Yeah. The face of it. And, uh, yeah. So how much, how much do you, are you involved with that obviously? And, and any, like there's been a lot of changes and stuff and uh, yeah, anything you want to kind of talk about with, uh,
0: with, yeah, that? you know, the, the charity officially, um, got 501 C three status in 2012. We loosely organized in 2009 when we all got together, then fast forward another year or two, we were playing, uh, around the golf and we all at that particular point came in threw some money down on the table and we gave it to, uh, air. Uh, eight injured racers, injured riders. One of those, um, and uh, that's how basically we started working for a couple years with them, and then uh, we got our five hundred one c three in two thousand and twelve. And Charlie Roberts um, was the man that uh, made it all happen. Uh, he was a one man show and built what we seen or have today basically on his shoulders we're standing. And now we decided that we needed to go to the next level. It's kind of like you go to high school, right? You go to 12 years of of education, first to to 12. And then, you know, your child goes off, uh, leaves the home, goes to college, and it's completely different. And so that was kind of where we felt the charity needed to go. We, We went all the way through high school. Now it's time to go off to college and change the business model because one guy, um, you know you just can't can't do it all um, and we wanted to get to the next level so we wanted to be able to build a, a, a business model that whether let's say Ronnie Jones next year is something happens and, and he's got to step away or I step out or any one of the board members that we developed all these policies and procedures to wearable someone can step in and the charity doesn't become endangered of not moving forward because it's relying on one person does that make sense yeah, 100%. You know, so we said, yeah, let's let's let, let's let's build this. in at that particular time, um, Charlie felt like it was time for him to retire. And then the board members basically split up all the functions. Uh, Ronnie became executive director. Uh, I took over uh, the treasurer and secretary, so I pay all the bills. Uh, Tim Essenson took over development. Tom Seymour took over marketing. Brad Baker took over re- racer relations. Um, And so then we we sat down, put an org chart together, put uh, job descriptions together, uh, best practices and and all these things. And uh, that's all been done within like not even 90 days at this particular point. We took over January 1st. And so all of those things are in place. Uh, You know, the story will always be told in the sense of the rookies of 79 that we all came together at Indy for a golf outing. Scotty Parker, myself, I think everybody was there except Wayne and Johnny Winsowitz of the group. Um, and that story will, will always forever be told. But when we sat down and looked at the business model and what we wanted to do, we felt like, man, the, the, the rookies of 79 doesn't really say in what we do. Um, it's who we were. And we wanted the charity to be focused on going forward Of what we do, the mission, the purpose, and the goal we have is focused on racers and getting them back on track, whether that's literally the racetrack or if they're forced to get on a new track of life because of a catastrophic injury, Uh, they find themselves in a wheelchair now, they can't walk, or uh, people like Oliver who are still fighting to walk. Um, All of those, we felt like, man, we needed a name that's going to really tell the story and back on track we felt like man that that's exactly what what we're we're all about and so went through a name change and uh, we went through some logo changes and then fast forward we've been talking with wayne being part of the the founding members that boy it'd be nice to, to, to be able to support injured road racers you know back in our day in 79 i think If we go back, there was like 18 dirt tracks and then the rest were road races. There was like 28 or 29 races on the schedule. And you got points for your grand national uh, number, if you will, and for standings by road racing and dirt track. That's why if you made one national back in the day, uh, may not guarantee you get a national number because it went on a point system. And there was more than 99 guys out there getting points. It's crazy. Um, And so we said, man, this is a perfect fit. And so we worked, it took some time to, to work those things out with Moto America. And um, now we've got a named, the official charity to Moto America, which happened right before Daytona. Yeah. So again, <clears throat> lots of things that ha- are happening and uh, you know, we're just excited in the direction that we're going. We've seen lots of support. We uh, put together an advisory board, um, which thank you for throwing your hat in the ring there for that, Corey. And uh that 12, the 12-member 12 advisory board is going to be crucial in helping the six-member board, seven-member board that we have move forward, uh, more accountability, open financials, um, open dreams as to where we want to go. We want to you know, help scholarships uh, so that when someone has a life-changing injury, um, you know, shit, I didn't go to college or any of that. I went to gemology school after I quit, but I mean, none of the schooling was not or education was not on my my mind it was being a grand national champion and racing every weekend um, and sometimes when those dreams get cut short you find yourself now now with a life-changing injury with no education boy wouldn't it be nice to be able to have scholarships uh, whether it be MMI or uh, different universities to be able to help partner with us to educate injured racers or um, you know putting on different, types of charity events to raise money to help continued uh, recovery efforts like Oliver, you know, doggone, he's still, uh, still fighting in his recovery Um, and it's very expensive. And so we want to be able to have programs in place that um, we're with that racer, right? Not just if you find yourself with a catastrophic injury, Um, they didn't get to take the checkered flag. You know, when we line up on that line, Corey, every time we put our helmet on and we're on the starting line, uh, we, there's no guarantee that we're going to get the checkers at, at the end. Uh, shit happens, right? Our, our racer mindset is it's never going to happen to me. It's going to happen to somebody else. And so therefore, there is absolutely no fear for us to go out and do our job uh, and win races. But sometimes shit happens, as we know. And they didn't take the checkered flag. So we feel like as a charity, we want to be there until Oliver Brenley takes his checkered flags. And if that means now it's three years of intense recovery, we need to be there. And um, I know, I know the fans want to be there, and that's you know it's a fan-driven uh, organization to where the the donations as well as industry uh, and corporate. Um, but for the most part, you know we're we're gonna stay there until he gets the checkered flags.
1: Yeah, and I I personally love the. Love the new direction of the charity, and actually, I was—I uh, work for Moto America now. I'm the the Mini Cup, it's Mini Cup manager, but just all things Mini Cup. And nice. I was talking with uh, with Chuck. Uh, excellent. We 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 talk quite a bit. He's a he's a he's a buddy of mine it's now at dude. this point. Yeah, Chuck's the man. Yes. Uh, I really like. I mean, I love Wayne. I love Chuck. I love Richard. Like Nicole, the whole Moto America crew has been has been awesome. They've took me in like one of theirs, and uh, and then he was like, yeah, you know, we just announced. We're Doing the back on track, uh, as the official charity, I was like, dude, nice. I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, that's um, there's just a good vibe about it now, and you know, and I don't want to like hammer Charlie too bad or whatever, but um, you know, it, it, there were some aspects of it where he just wasn't approachable, and um, you know, like I said, he did a, what he's done with how many years he's done it, it's definitely appreciated, but um, anyway, I'll just kind of leave it at that. Yeah, we,
0: yeah, yeah, we can't lose sight that we never. Never failed to to pay an amateur or a professional claim under Charlie's leadership. I mean, he made yeah. he spent he spun a lot of plates and he, he made shit happen. Sometimes uh yeah. You know. Yeah,
1: and I'm just being transparent as well. Like uh it's kinda like, you know, just how I kind of run my day to day. But yeah, it just uh there's aspects of it where it just wasn't approachable. And uh I know a lot of riders felt the same and with this new direction and everybody that's on the board and involved in it, it you know, it's uh it's just a really good group and um you know everyone's really approachable and it's just been a it's been a really good vibe and i'm really stoked for the new direction of the charity and um everything you guys are doing and and ronnie's my guy like i i love ronnie that's like he's like an uncle ronnie to me at this point mm-hmm. you know, spend time with him and he he lets me and uh, amber and Cruz hang out and um dude he's fast too he still gets it he's on. Still i mean fast, <laughs> watching yes. him at a I got offered a bull taco ride at, uh, at Daytona and, uh, I declined. I'm just not ready for that in my life yet. <laughs> and, uh, um, and then, but watching Ronnie, I'm like, shit, dude, I don't even know. Like, um, uh, like I'm fresh off, you know, I'm still like, I don't say my prime, but I, I feel pretty good on a bike still. And watching Ronnie, I'm like, dude, that guy is He's so fast still. And he's, I mean, I don't want to age drop him, but he's 60, 60, right? He's 61.
0: (laughs) I'm 63. I think he's a year younger than me. I think he's 62. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: just watching, watching Ronnie, um, it's just so cool to watch that uh, his smoothness. And like, even at Daytona, like, he didn't look great the first practice. And I'm like, man, he looks a little off. And as the weekend went on, he figured it out like it's just uh cool to see the racecraft in uh in rj still so that was yeah. so that was really cool and jackie mitchell and um I, I love jack like dude everybody on there now they're just good guys and um it's just cool to cool to see that direction yeah i so, forgot to,
0: i forgot to mention jackie when i was doing it my, my god my brain's going to have yeah, jackie takes care of uh all the events and, and then the you brought chris carter
1: from motion pro on as well i saw um yes chris, chris, yes, carter chris and, is
0: gonna join the board
1: yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then we have, like you said, the advisory board and I was asked to be on the advisory board and that man, that was an honor. Like I, I, you know, that was really cool. And the other members of the advisory board, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great list. You have Wayne Rainey, Kenny Roberts, who, you know, he's raced a motorcycle time or two, Scotty Parker, right. uh, everyone's favorite Michigan rider, Bubba Schobert, uh, Monaco, James Monaco, uh, Terry Otten, um, yep. R11 Bomb from Law Tigers, Mr. Raymond yeah. Rizzo, everybody loves Raymond, Brad Benson, Seafoam, uh, and then uh, I don't know, Andrew Gillian, What? Who, what's his background?
0: Andrew is um, head of Toyota Motorsports and oh, very wow. good friends with Jackie Mitchell. So he's going to bring a wealth of information from the corporate world um, on how to solicit larger corporations like Toyota Motor Company to to get in endowments and things goals. like that. So, um, we, we have plenty of goals and dreams. It's just a matter of getting the finances to support the scholarships and to long-term recovery uh, care and things like that. So are you still doing auction
1: to- items? Or, I mean, I know you changed the kind of the yes. dynamic. So auction items and, um, uh, and things like that. I mean, I, I, I definitely want to gather up some stuff and, and send them your, send them your way. Um, but yeah,
0: racers, if they're willing,
1: if they want to help out, they can still send in items and we do silent sure. auctions. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, Jack,
0: Jackie's in charge of all of that. And we're just, just, like I said, we just took over in January. So, a lot of the things we, we, took pre- precedence and uh, priorities, but memorabilia uh, is all moved to Indiana and we will begin to start taking those in pieces and auctioning them off. We're trying to find out what's the best platform for that. Uh, You know, we've got flat track fans all around the world. Um, So we want to be able to give everybody an opportunity to get the memorabilia, which will all happen this year. And then we still had a lot of soft goods from when Charlie was going to the races every week with shirts and hats and things like that. And Tammy Richmond is in charge of all online sales. So all of that will still be available throughout the year. Tammy will put up a series of hats and uh, we're looking at uh, creating our a store if you will on our website so that all that soft goods uh, shirts hats sweatshirt hoodies uh, koozies all the things that we have will still be able to be for sale online only
1: yeah well that's good info yeah so everybody uh stay tuned to that and uh as we move move on i'm gonna get jackie Mitchell on the pod he's just a really cool guy too um we've had ronnie on. yeah he's just a really cool guy man and you know, we we have some really good chats jackie uh, the, the whole the whole group is great so um definitely um one a couple couple more things before I let you go wanted to get back uh kind of race race related um so uh obviously you come to a lot of the races you're a fan things like that uh I I kind of like just had some random notes here um after the first two rounds do you have any predictions for the rest of the year I mean it's kind of like Dallas and Cody kind of kicked ass. So, um, right,
0: right. And, like, and what in it past, Yeah, it, it, you, you almost it, it, you looked at Daytona coming out of Daytona, and necessarily the person that won it didn't necessarily win the championship because Daytona's Daytona, right? It's a crapshoot all the time. But when you got two people that come out with a double of 50 points piece, man, that, that starts to build that gap. Um, Cody. I don't see him slowing down. Um, obviously, there's a lot of competitive guys. I think really you talked about it in your pre-Daytona, like the, the top tier six guys, seven guys, then the next tier. Um, I think that top tier are going to be there week in, week out, uh, hounding him uh, and, and giving him a run for his money. And then in Super Twins, um, I'm anxious to see what Briar's going to do, Breyer and, and the KTMs on the miles and the bigger tracks. So I think that that's going to to play into it. Uh, obviously the Yamahas are running good men. Watch. I was standing on the infield for both races in Daytona and that Yamaha was just sticking. Dallas is right in the middle of the corner, wherever he he decided that he wanted to make the apex of the corner. He just turned that. And, and it seemed like the thing would just stay right in line. Wouldn't step out. Wouldn't break. So uh, the team, uh, at the Yamaha's have got their shit dialed in, so that's going to be. You know, I think they're going to be there, JD and uh, and Dallas every week, and Briar and and Jared. I mean, you can't count Jared out. He's uh,
1: can't count out Jared, man. Is you know, he's no, yeah, he's, he's always he's there. figuring shit out. But no, I mean, I think right. like I I did hear a, lot, a couple things like, oh, Cody's bike looks so like people people are so soft minded. They want to go to oh, Cody's bike was so much better, or oh, Dallas's bike was so much better but I mean if you look at Max and JD it's not like they got second um so and it's not a, it's yeah. obviously Max and JD are two of the most talented guys we have but but they were they were like kind of similar-ish like fourth fifth whatever both both days like times or whatever so yeah it's just um I don't know it's just props to to Cody I hate giving Cody props man I, he's not that <laughs> fast you know but, <laughs> uh, uh props to Cody and Dallas on uh on that. Um, do you like do you like four riders on each row, Tommy? I know you're an old school guy. They used to do six. Do you do you like four riders um on, on each row? Uh,
0: you know, for the safety aspect, I I guess I have to say four is a little safer, right? You've got a little bit more room. How many times have you lined up against somebody and they grabbed a handful of it and the back end came around and smacked you? Um so I like the six for the advantage of the guys, the the fifth and the sixth fastest guy, not being penalized but being on the front row. Um yeah. So I'm I'm torn. You know, I guess if I have to lean towards safety, right? Being part of the charity, we never want to write any checks. So I I guess I'd have to say four. Uh but boy, it makes it tough, especially yeah. at the level of competition when you're coming from the third row or fourth row. Yeah. That's I really tough.
1: like uh I, I actually like it. I think it was a good move, um, but I I also, like, I've raced it, so having less guys on the front row, it definitely spaces things out quite a bit because yeah. I heard they were maybe going to go back to six, and I'm like, eh, four is really, really cool. I mean, it's it's it sucks when you finish third in a heat race and you start on the second row already, but um, when you earn that spot on the front sure. row, you essentially right, – yes, you do the math you have to beat one guy on the front row to podium so it's like right. um obviously guys from the back row are coming whatever but you know it really you're so rewarded for being a good qualifier and good in heat races where like um like my guy james i like he he's a good racer but he's been struggling the, with the qualifying and the heat race and it's like right. dude i'm like james if you get on the front row dude there's only four of you guys on that front row it it really
0: simplifies the race quite a bit it does so, um and what and, about and back back our date our, our qualifying we had to uh, we raced the track and the clock there was nobody else so we had one lap you know we warmed up got the green flag then a checker flag If we didn't like that we waved it off and so it was i think back then with six it, just because of the the type of qualifying that we did uh, made it, it a little bit take, more difficult
1: Tommy, with the wave off cuz i've done yeah. that at timonium indoors but it's like six second lap, seven second lap times. Like what, how long did it take to run through a hundred
0: guys? Yeah. You know, wave offs. That's like half the day
1: right there. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. Ah, <sighs> yeah. That yeah. yeah. definitely like that changed better with the, uh, you know, kind qualifying, if you will. Yeah. In, in practice. So much better. Yeah.
1: As a promoter, I'm always pushing efficiency, like in my races and, and, uh, that would drive me nuts. Just sitting there watching guys do one lap, one lap. It's yeah. like, um, uh, yeah. Plenty of time to, for the fans to drink beer watching that, but, uh, <laughs> uh, one more question. And then I have, uh, kind of our last segment we do, uh, what about timed races, Tommy? Um, I thought the time races thing would have been cool, cooler than what it was initially. Like I thought, Oh, cool. You know, we can, uh, we have timed races. We can like train more specifically now. Cause we know exactly how long we're out there for, but like, it's kind of confusing for me anyway. And most riders it's like, okay, well, cause I was talking with Cody and we we're uh Jared Vanderkoy had a birthday and we were all hanging out talking and bench racing. And, um, we're like, yeah, how long is it for, um, how long is the race for Sonoya? And it's kind of funny cause Sonoya actually is listed as a short track, but it's like pretty freaking big. Like <laughs> it's not a short track. That so it's like, right? yeah, but it's like six minutes for short tracks and, eight minutes for half miles and 10 minutes for uh miles for singles and then the twins it's like 14 minutes 10 minutes like nobody knew exactly uh we have all these top riders there and we're all trying to figure out how many minutes the race is it's just a lot to keep track of so we almost pretty much all of us were like man they should just go to 25 lap main events for for both classes like just um, but I didn't know what your thoughts were on the, on the time or not. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even look at the time when I'm racing. Like, it's very rare that I even look over, like I just wait till it's halfway and two to go. And then I know it's almost
0: over. So. Well, I know that Jared Vanderkoy probably would have liked 25 laps because I think he led 24 of them. Oh, I know. Um, yeah. Right. So it would have been really close <laughs> to 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 that win there if we were 25 laps. I never raced a timed race, so I can't speak from my racer perspective, from a fan perspective, um, it's pretty cool. I know, <laughs> ten minutes, uh, seven minutes, eight minutes, whatever that that is, and then two laps. Or um, it provided for Daytona. My goodness, they what? I think the twins would did what? Thirty four laps. It was, it was a lot. That it was, was a lot. lot of laps. Yeah, yeah, wow. it was a ton of laps. And you know, I, I guess from a spectator's tran- uh, perspective, that's more racing uh, equals better. Um, but I, I guess 25 laps, uh, it's what I used to race. I mean, you know, when we were doing our nationals was 25. Yeah. Uh, how about back in the day before us, I think in the, in the early seventies, late sixties, they would do 50 milers.
1: 50 yeah. That's pretty, yeah. I mean, I, w- I would personally like, like that, like my ride style. It takes me a little bit to get going, <clears throat> but, uh, <laughs> um, actually I have a follow-up question. Sorry. I'm keeping you on. I just have a lot. I was no? like, hey. like, Hey, I got Tommy oh. Dum on the pod. I got to shout out some questions. Uh-huh. Did you, uh, obviously i think you 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 did it was your error but um ascot racing ascot racing astrodome um those are two tracks that get brought up a lot um and it's kind of like it's like they happen but it's been so long ago it's sort of like um i don't know the word for it but it's like ascot or astrodome and like it's crazy to think that they're not made up places like they actually happened um what was what was it like racing in those those two uh those two venues that now it's like they're so much historic you know i would say those are the two that people talk about the most i hear santa fe a lot um but but those two and seeing the photos from those events they were they were just insane venues
0: it was, uh, especially the Astrodome, being the first race of the year and going there to see this, you know, I mean, it was one of the seven, I think, what, seventh wonder of the world back in the day when they built the dome. Uh, so it was just really cool to be able to uh, display our craft in, in such an awesome venue. Uh, personally, I never made the night program. I would always hear the guys up there in the stands, uh, coldest foam in the dome. Why stand in line by mine? as he walked around with his beer around his neck so that that's my vivid memories of the Astrodome uh but it was a very cool place to race and then Ascot as well um I enjoyed and had better, better success made programs at Ascot like the dirt um never know what the hell you'd find in that dirt you can get a bolt or a nut flying back at you or, you know I just heard dirt. it was brutal brutal it was my goodness you just you'd come out of there with uh, your chest and your arms your forearms your knuckles you didn't have uh cardboard and all kind of padding in there but uh, that was motivation to get get a hole shot and get the hell out front so you didn't to, could use that shit as defense uh your roost and uh keep the guys behind you so yeah uh, i enjoyed ascot as well for sure
1: was it cool racing with joe leonard or like how was he
0: God no, that's uh I'm just messing
1: with for you. my time. I'm just messing with you. I like I said I think I said that to Ronnie. I was like, Hey Ronnie, it was probably sick <laughs> racing with like uh Joe Leonard, and he was like, You're you're a dick. <laughs> so um
0: <laughs> Cal Rayburn, yeah.
1: Cal Rayburn, yeah. I just saw a picture <laughs> of him today actually online. But uh all righty, so last segment. Um I changed it up. We usually do a high low line, it's like a this or that. You listen to pods, right? Like you're you're a freak. Yeah, all the time. Oh, I love it. Cool. Yes. Um this one I changed it up a little bit. Um this is a who wins in their prime. I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, so I have okay. I have I have four here and I'm going to name uh a modernish racer and a racer from from back in the day. And so in their prime, um on their best day. And, and yeah, I'll, I'll chime into like after you're done, but who wins in their uh, prime? Okay. Springfield Mile. Jared Meese or Scott Parker.
0: Wow. Well, wow. that's a matchup I'd love to see. I think the fans would love to see that as well. I'd have to, I have to go with my homeboy, Parker. You know, I grew up with him racing and the nine time champion and 94 grand national wins. It's hard to dispute that. So I just have to go with the records and uh, go with Parker. Yeah. And I, I,
1: I, me, me and me, obviously me and me have a weird relationship, but I have a lot of respect for me and he's going to go down as, one yes. of the top three greats, if not the greatest to ever do it, um, regardless of what people think. But Springfield, I just think that's a Scotty track on their best days. I mean, um, I mean, if, if I threw Ricky into it, that would be, I'd have uh, to go, probably, tougher. I'd have to go. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd probably go Ricky then Parker. But um, yeah, yeah, that's I gotta go Scotty on that on that track. There's a lot of tracks where Mies would, I think, would would beat Scotty in his in both their primes at Springfield. I'm still gonna give that to Scotty. Um. Fioria TT, you probably know which two I'm going to, I'm going to ask, but uh car or Wiles.
0: Wow. That's tough too. Um, I mean, there was some time that Chris and Henry raced together. Is that right? Or, or they would never, did they, they did, never raced together.
1: They did, but I wouldn't say it was Chris's prime. Um, mm. but yeah, I mean, it's, they did, but it was a it was a not a fair. I mean, it wasn't wasn't the same Chris that we saw in the '90s, obviously in the mid two thousands. So,
0: and different again, you know, different I bikes, different bikes, different suspension. And if we put them together, um, same equipment, um, I'm going to go with. I'm sticking old school. I'm going with Chris.
1: Yeah, Sorry, and no obviously. <laughs> Yeah, Chris is he's like my my mentor, my rider coach. I just talked to him this morning, actually. Um I don't know, man. I, I used to say Chris without a doubt all day long, but Wiles is he was a bad dude on the on that track and, and someone posted a picture of him at Springfield, I think it was TT, and it I mean it was for him to win as many races as he did at those racetracks, it was it's actually really underrated. Uh, I don't know, man. I like, I, I didn't it's see like Chris. when he showed
0: up, who was getting second. Oh, I know. And there it, was, yeah. yeah. And, and of, those are yeah. tracks
1: that are kind of crap tracks that like you would think more guys would win, but Henry had it on lock. And I'm going to go with Henry, um, just because I've seen him more at Peoria. Um, the, the, the days where he was dominant, I mean, he was half, half tracking these guys and I know card did the same, but I just didn't see it in person. Um, um but well car on a rotex i mean I've, yeah it just depends on the equipment <laughs> but right. wiles was god he was so he's so good there um lima jay springsteen or briar bauman
0: wow I and mean, these are good i got one more after it, this i'm again just uh i know that Briar's a California boy, Salinas, right? So probably not many cushion tracks back in the day when he was growing up. Jay grew up amateur and, and pro, just riding all the cushion tracks in Ohio and Michigan. Uh, we all had horse tracks at fairgrounds. I'm going, giving the nod to Jay, staying old school. Staying old
1: school. Uh, has Jay won Lima? I don't even know if Jay i know he's a great cushion rider but i don't know if he's ever won lima actually i'll have to bert bert listens quite a bit to the pods i'll have to ask bert if, if, if jay's ever won lima um, yeah uh man i i love jay i know he's like, like the he's a bad complete badass but i'm i mean the days i've seen briar ride a cushion at lima he's he's disgusting and he, he's my brother-in-law i gotta go with briar on this one <laughs> so, <laughs> um, i want to i want to get invited to dinner the next time they go sure exactly i, I already do don't get thing. the invite some days man some days they don't <laughs> they, just, they live right down the street right now and I, some days i don't even get the invite so i gotta go i'll go with briar get that dinner invite um <laughs> yeah last one daytona short track cody Cop or jake johnson
0: Ooh. oh my goodness that uh, Cody's fast. There's no doubt about it. Look at it. Uh, I think he won both by all, almost a straightaway. Um, and when he, the second night when he came off the whole shot, uh, I think he was in third or fourth uh, going into one. And uh, his racecraft is incredible for being so young.
1: Yeah. I agree. Jake
0: Johnson in his prime. I'm going with Jake. Yeah.
1: It's hard to uh, J for the talent level. Uh, those that haven't that are just getting into the sport. If you go back and find some old videos of Jake, like in his prime, when when Jake decided he wanted to win a race, he 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 won the race. So, ah, that's tough. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah. I, may, maybe the new school track that was that's more up Cody's alley, like slippery. And I mean, Jake did win the new Daytona, but if we're talking Minincible and Jake's on that Suzuki framer, I mean, he's he was. He's tough, very, very tough. There, he won a lot of races. So, yeah, um, maybe I'll make a poll for the fans on this, and they can kind yeah, of yeah, there you go, see what everybody some opinions. thinks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, man, this was good. Sorry, I took up a lot of your day, but it was no, um, man,
0: I enjoyed it. Appreciate you enjoyed coming it. on and
1: and talking with the fans. Are you? uh What's the next one you're going to? Are you are you going to Snowy? Lexington, or? Lexington. Yeah, you know, no, I've
0: got a. Yeah, I have got I can not make the, Georgia, and I can't make the TT no unfortunately Washington. Lexington.
1: cool well for the fans that uh want to hit you up they can uh, obviously social media they can call the call the uh the 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 jeweler store um it's tdfj.com that's the that's the website um, right and when
0: you go if you go to the website to and connect through their contact at tdfj.com all of those external emails come directly into my inbox so oh great okay yeah. So I take care of what is flood his email guys.
1: Personally. Flood it. Just hit him up. No, uh, we, we gave James Rispoli's phone number on here. Robbie, Bobby did. And he had like a dozen people uh, messaging him. So <laughs> you might get, you might get blown up, but no, nah, yeah. It's, That's uh, right. Yeah. We appreciate you Tommy for coming on everything you're doing. You definitely stay really busy and uh, we all appreciate everything you do with uh, supporting the the sport <clears throat> with the jewelry uh, the charity work and everything else, man. We're, we're happy you found your way back to the sport and yeah, it's just uh really cool what what you're doing, man. I appreciate it. So uh, thanks
0: for coming on. Thank you for all you do and uh, for keeping us uh, informed uh, through the podcast. Love it, man.
1: Cool. Well, I appreciate it, Tommy. I'll see you. I'll talk all to right. you soon, but I'll see you at Lexington. So
0: you got it guys. Take care. All right.
1: See you brother. Bye-bye. Tommy Duma, yeah, that was an awesome interview. It's uh good to have him on. He's a good guy, man. I I like Tommy. We have some good chats. And uh yes, yeah, aside from the charity and everything he's doing with uh TDFJ.com, it's you know, he's a he was a good racer. Like he's like he said, uh going one, two back and forth with Scott Parker, you know, consistently throughout his career. Uh I feel like there's a lot of those riders where, man, what if like what if he kept going or what if he didn't get injured? Or um, you know, we just had Another, another interview with, uh, Nikki Cummings. Like, you know, what if he didn't get it? You know, it's it's one of those things that, uh, racing is such a, such a what if sport. It's hard to, hard to kind of live off that, but man, Tommy was, uh, was a great racer and, uh, it's cool to have him on. I want to give a shout out to uh, the rest of the sponsors that keep this pod going bell power sports, check out their website, bellhelmets.com. quality and safety of the helmets is unmatched. And like I say, like go online, do some Google, do some research on, the safety reviews, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with with Bell Helmets and uh, the, the fit, the quality. They're so easy to change the shields. The, um, everything about the helmets is top of the line. Look at what's winning across the board in every every single discipline. And uh, Bell, man, Bell's at the top. So if you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. Dunlop Motorcycle Tires, 19-inch, 17-inch flat track tires, off-road, moto, street. Check out their website, DunlopMotorcycleTires.com. Jerry Stinchfield, Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, commercial industrial roofing company with nearly 40 years of experience. I know Jerry also supports the charity, the back-on-track charity, and along with everything else he supports, a guy is nonstop supporting the sport. Um, But if you need a commercial roof, Jerry's the guy. He's like the guy, so hit him up. And Manscaped, you want to drop three-tenths of a second on your lap times? All around the world, state-of-the-art swimmers and cyclists are shaved down like a baby seal. It's time motorcycle racers do the same. To cut through the wind, you should be as smooth as a stick of butter. To do this, you need Manscaped in your life. Manscaped is both AMA and FIM approved. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof, has a 7,000 RPM quiet stroke motor, and is designed to prevent nicks and tugs. 20% off from free shipping worldwide with the code TANKSLAP20. Again, code TANKSLAP20. Appreciate the fans. We're banging these pods out. We're getting these interview pods going. We got some more on tap. Make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. If you have an iPhone, sorry, if you have an iPhone, find the podcast button. It's purple. Go on, subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on SoundCloud. Um, If you subscribe, you get early, early releases of the podcast. Like sometimes we'll put out a pod, and I don't like put out a post till a day or two later. The pod's already there. So as soon as it gets dropped, you get notified. appreciate everybody that kind of reaches out and keeps the pop the podcast going and yeah with that being said that's it we out